From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, The Outward, Upward Look. The text is Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. This is a promise of promises. It lies at the foundation of our spiritual life. Salvation comes through a look at him who is a just God and a Savior. How simple is the direction! Look unto me! How reasonable is the requirement! Surely the creature should look to the Creator. We have looked elsewhere long enough. It is time that we look alone to Him who invites our expectation and promises to give us His salvation. Only a look! Will we not look at once? We are to bring nothing in ourselves, but to look outward and upward to our Lord on His throne whither he has gone up from the cross. A look requires no preparation, no violent effort. It needs neither wit nor wisdom, wealth nor strength. All that we need is in the Lord our God. And if we look to him for everything, that everything shall be ours, and we shall be saved. Come, far-off ones, look hither. Ye ends of the earth, turn your eyes this way. As from the furthest regions men may see the sun and enjoy his light, so you who lie in death's borders at the very gates of hell may by a look receive the light of God, the life of heaven, the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, and therefore able to save.
troublesome times for our nation, many people are looking to the government or to social action for a solution. But the only real answer to the human predicament is a true spiritual revival. Many Christians have no idea of what constitutes revival in the scriptural sense. Certainly the greatest revival in the history of the Christian church took place on the day of Pentecost. Down through the centuries, there have been remarkable visitations of God during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity and ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of both Duncan Campbell's account of what happened during those revival times on Lewis as well as a CD containing personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. The CDs are available to you free of charge, simply by requesting your copies. You may write us at LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may telephone us at 
864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Just request your copies of the CDs of The Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he continues with the theme of the unknown Christ revealing himself at an unknown feast. John chapter 5 contains one of the greatest revelations of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three events in the chapter through which Christ revealed his glory. The first is his healings. His restoring the impotent man revealed his compassion as well as his omniscience and omnipotence. The second event involves the hatred of the Jews, provoked by Christ's healing on the Sabbath. Although they should have known who Jesus was, their only concern was for their rigid rules instead of rejoicing in the man's healing. Now here is Dr. Cairns to continue this theme, The Unknown Christ Revealing Himself at an Unknown Feast. What I have done in this man's life is a living, powerful testimony to who I am. This is the witness of heaven to me. I haven't time to trace this in other parts of the Gospels. You'll find it, for example, in John chapter 10, verses 25 and 38. The Lord Jesus takes up the same theme where you have the witness of his works. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, you find that the apostles are emphasizing the very same thing, that the works are the proof of who the Lord Jesus Christ was. And so powerful was that argument that even Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, could come to the Lord Jesus, John chapter 3, verse 2, and he spoke not only for himself, But he gave the game away as far as the leading Jews were concerned. They always pretended that they, from their lofty perch of knowing the law of God and all that it demanded, they could dismiss the claims of Christ. They never let the people know what was going on in their heart. But Nicodemus told the truth and they said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, because no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. We know. 
As I've often pointed out, it was Rudolf Steer, a great German evangelical commentator, uh, who is one of the most penetrating works, multi-volume works on the words of Jesus. It was uh, Rudolf Steer who pointed out that when Nicodemus came to Christ, what he actually said, we know that thou art come from God, and that's all together. And in the Jewish conception, that was a confession, or at least it was on the border of a confession, of the Messiahship of Christ. The terminology was the terminology they had in mind to describe the coming Messiah. He actually even points out that though the term rabbi was used quite frequently, yet in connection with messianic terms, it was used by Isaiah in that very context. So here is this ruler of the Jews, and he's just bursting to confess the Messiahship of Christ, and he says, we know it. Why? Because your works prove it. And then fear got hold of him, and he tailed off, we know that you're come from God uh, And he's stuttering already, a teacher. That was true. But that word just tailed off because in the Jewish mind, it did not go with what went before. Come from God, a teacher? Talk about anticlimax. He was building up to a great confession. And fear stops him. But it doesn't rob his testimony of this glorious force. We, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the rulers, we know and we feel and we acknowledge the power of the testimony of what you are doing, your works. Tell us who you are. Again, I don't want to pursue that too far this morning, but let me tell you, It gives you an inside or a peep inside the mind of the Jewish leaders, and it lets you know that they were not working out of real ignorance at all. They knew who they were rejecting, and they were rejecting for political and personal reasons. As Jesus later said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But you confess that you see. And because you see, your sin remains. Oh, they knew what they were doing. Why? Because of the testimony of the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first way the Lord Jesus reveals who he is is by the the healing that he performed. I always like to make, for myself and for you, I like to make the scriptures And I like to make the events here uh, right up to date. Because, you see, if you're saved this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ has done a miracle in you that's every bit as great as the miracle of healing in this man's body. In fact, I would argue a greater miracle. The healing of a body is nothing in comparison to the saving of a soul. The Lord Jesus found you and me not just with a a few years of physical malady, but he found us with an entire life 
of total depravity, alienation from God, with the mark of our sin upon our heart and upon our forehead, and we were going straight to the outer darkness of a lost eternity. We were captives. We were absolutely dead in our sins, destroyed by our sins, and soon to be damned in our sins. And then he came. He spoke one word. Ezekiel 16 gives you that word. Live. And we lived. Now that's a miracle. But the point I want you to understand is this. That what the Lord Jesus does in the life of the person whom he transforms is from that point by divine decree and intention a testimony to who Jesus is. That's why we're saved. Your whole experience, your whole life as a Christian is supposed to be so transparently the work of God and the product of grace that wherever you go, you are a witness that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. God didn't save you or me to make us onlookers in the great drama of world evangelism. God didn't send save us to make us pew warmers or to be statistics in some church's growth. No, God saved us that we would be forever the most potent witnesses to who Christ is what Christ can do. That's why I always encourage Christians from the moment they're saved to give their testimony. And don't be afraid of not knowing enough theology and not even knowing enough Bible verses. And don't be afraid that some smart aleck will be able to ask you questions that you can't answer. So what? There are even things that Mr. Pinkson doesn't know. I hope we can come up with some of them on Friday night. No. But listen, there's one thing nobody can ever gainsay. As we'll see when we get to John chapter 9, the blind man said, when they tried to stymie him with questions, he said, one thing I know. Once I was blind, now I see. One thing I know, once I was a poor, doomed, distressed, depraved sinner. But now I'm saved, my sins are gone. I live at peace with God and with peace of conscience. I live in the joy of sins forgiven. I live in a living fellowship with the living Christ. I have access to the throne of God. I know what Christ has done for my heart. I want to tell you there's no more potent witness on God's earth that's worth more than all the apologetic professors in the world. The power, the personal living testimony. That's how Christ chooses to reveal his glory. The second event arising out of that, you'll find from verse 9 through verse 16 of this chapter, uh, through which Christ revealed his glory, is the hatred that he provoked. 
you find as soon as he did this miracle that the Jews rose up in anger. It happened to be the Sabbath day. Well, let me rephrase that. It just didn't happen to be the Sabbath day. I believe the Lord Jesus deliberately chose the Sabbath day, knowing exactly what the response would be. He told this man, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, if you'd been living, lying there, waiting for somebody to lift you and lay you, to move you, to do all that you needed to be done, for 38 years, you'd been lying in a paralyzed or crippled condition, and somebody said, rise up! Take up your bed and walk. And in saying the words, communicated the power so that immediately you felt the power. Now, this is the, the majesty of the miracle here. He didn't get up and stagger. He didn't learn to walk. He wasn't like a baby trying to get his legs under him for the first time. His bones weren't like rubber. His reflexes were not all out of kilter. By a miracle of the word of the living God, in that instant, he was able to rise and walk as if he had been doing it all his life. That's what he was able to do. Now, if you were that man... And you felt that in your bones, in your joints, in your, your body. Tell me, what would you do? He'd walk along with that mattress. I mean, he said a bed, man. It's not a queen-size bed with a big head. It, it is a mattress. Maybe something like a palias. You, you, something you could... If you're in the army of the Boy Scouts or something, not that I'm acquitting those things, you, you could uh, roll it up, put it under your arm, and away you go. Would you have done that? Sure you would. And that's what he did. Then come the Jews and you can just see them look down their long noses. And here, here's true depravity. If you'd gone to the Jews and asked them, give us an illustration of depravity in Jerusalem that appointed you to somebody like the woman in John 8 who was an adulteress. That's depravity, yeah. But if you want to see real depravity, if you want to see hell in all its subtle wickedness. Look at these Jews. Here is this walking miracle. Is there one moment of joy? Is there one feeling of happiness? Look at what has happened to this man. Is there the slightest sympathy? No, no. Do you not know that this is the Sabbath day? Do you not know that you're not allowed to carry burdens on the Sabbath day? They were partly right. Nehemiah had forbidden the carrying of burdens. He had legislated against it. But here's something I'll throw out to you in passing. Always be careful. Be very careful of establishing a doctrine from an illustration. They could give the illustration... And I have no doubt they had it in mind of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not addressing this situation. Nehemiah was addressing a commercial situation. People who were doing this because they wanted to trade on the Sabbath day. But on the surface it looked like Nehemiah gives us this. This is his illustration. Now let's put it into practice. The disciples did the same thing on another occasion, if you remember. They said, Lord, Elijah called down fire. Mount Carmel. Hey, here are these Samaritans, and they're against you. Do you want us to call down fire on them? It seemed to them there was a direct parallel, but there was no direct parallel. 
always be careful of establishing a doctrine based on an illustration. If you can't get it from the book, be very careful before you impose it on other people's conscience. And this is what they were doing. And they were saying, it's not awful. So his answer was, well, he who told me to rise made me whole. He commanded me to do it. You know, they couldn't even ask, well, who did make you whole? You notice verse 12? What man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? They're still on to this business. You're breaking the Sabbath by walking with your mattress under your arm. They couldn't even say, who cured you? Who made you whole? They're not acknowledging that he's made whole at all. They're not even willing to acknowledge a miracle. Now listen, here are Jews who love their Sabbath traditions more than they love mercy and even more than they loved God himself. What a tragedy when men love their religion more than they love the Lord, more than they love the souls of men. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 